Welcome to Zen Mind, a podcast featuring talks from Zenki Dillo Roshi, the guiding teacher here at the Boulder Zen Center in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Bryant at BZC. This week we have a third talk in a series called Studying the Way. Before we start, though, I just want to mention a few upcoming events at Boulder Zen Center. The first being the fall practice course titled Liberation from Suffering, which is based on Zenki Roshi's first book set to be published next spring. The course begins on October 1st. It will run for eight weeks, ending just before Thanksgiving, and you are welcome to join either in person at the center or online via Zoom. The last course was entirely online, and we had many folks taking part from out of state, so it's something we're going to continue. The course will kick off with a weekend seminar that first weekend of October, and the seminar can be attended on its own, so if you're not able to commit to the full course, you're welcome to join just for that weekend. Also coming up is a weekend sitting retreat on September 17th, 18th, 19th. That begins on Friday evening and ends on Sunday around lunchtime. The weekend sitting is a day and a half meditation intensive. It's open to anyone, regardless of your past experience with meditation or Buddhism. Other things going on, we have uh, Dharma talks every Sunday morning as usual. That includes these talks from Zenki Roshi, but also from other practitioners within the Sangha. If you're vaccinated and able to attend in person, you're welcome to stay after the talks when we have a short work period and then sit down to, for lunch together. It's uh, a great way to get involved and meet some older Zen folks. And one more opportunity coming up is Sangha Mondo, which meets once a month on Wednesday evening. The next one is September 15th. Mondo is a format led by Zenki Roshi, where anyone can ask a question, and Zenki will respond to you and to everyone there. And I really recommend it personally. I get a lot from hearing what sort of experiences or questions are, are coming up for others. There's always new perspectives or questions that I wouldn't have thought of, and it's really informative in that way. So that's just sort of a overview of what's upcoming. You can get more information and register for all these events I've mentioned on our website, boulderzen.org. Everything right now is being offered both in person and online. Definitely feel free to send me an email if you have any questions. It's office at boulderzen.org. Okay, let's get to today's talk. There will be just one more talk after this in the summer podcast season. We'll have a break in October and November during the practice course. And I have to apologize, we had some tech problems on Sunday. So there's about a minute of the talk towards the end that was not recorded, and we had to switch microphones so the audio quality is not so great after that for about the last eight or nine minutes of the talk. But I hope it's not too much of a distraction. So here's Zenki Roshi with part three of his series on studying the way. Thanks for listening. Good morning. So I'd like to continue with uh, an exploration of what it means to study. And um, in the last talk, I landed on this very famous quote from uh, Dogen, a paragraph from the Genjo Koan, where he says to 
study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the 10,000 things. Yeah, so... I've, I've also said, you know, when we hear the word study, it can um, put us back into the uh, mind frame, like, you know, the way you studied in high school or college, um, relating to a body of knowledge. But to study the Buddha way is not to relate to a body of knowledge. This is what, you know, the first line immediately tells us is to study the Buddha way is to study the self. But there's another subtlety of like the that the word study brings and we're just dealing with translations and with ways to express something in the English language so I'm calling it all into question. Um, it's like I here am studying something over there. I'm studying this book, you know, I'm studying what's in the book. Or if you're a biologist, I'm studying this frog. I here am studying this frog over there. If you're a biologist and you're studying a frog, you might feel compelled to kill it and dissect it. I guess that happens. Because it's this other thing there, and uh, even if it's alive, maybe it should be dead for me to study it. But if you put yourself into... If you put yourself into... Not really the shoes of the frog. <laughs> the body of the frog. If you uh, study yourself, you can't relate to yourself the way you might choose to relate to the frog. <clears throat> but there is a way that we can kill ourselves in the midst of our studying ourselves. What I mean by that is like if you have a certain attitude towards study, it's like like you can you you can lose your aliveness in the midst of your study, dissecting yourself. Now, I've read that the um, Japanese word that is translated as study here really means something like to be or become familiar with. And if you want to make this even a little bit more emphatic, it's like to be intimate with 
the self. To study the Buddha way is to be familiar with or intimate with the self. Intimus, the Latin word, means the close friend. And so if we take that, you know, of course we're just, you know, I'm just concocting new language. To study the self means to be a close friend to yourself. Now, notice this right away. There are so many instances in which you choose or are habituated to not like something about yourself or to um, feel very compelled that something needs to change or that it's just not acceptable. I think the experience of having a close friend is that um, the wonderful experience of having a close friend is that the friend accepts you as you are and also might give some feedback and advice and so forth but the fundamental posture is to accept to know and I mean to know to notice to be familiar with me, if I'm thinking of my friend, you know, my friend is familiar with me and accepting and, you know, and then maybe also something, you know, some sort of feedback happens in the relationship. Now, I... um, I introduced the five skandhas, a very classic Buddhist teaching, form, feeling, perception, um, conditionings, as I like to say. You could also put habits there. Form, feeling, perceptions, habits, consciousness. So let's just try out, you know, to be intimate with form, intimate with feeling, perception, habits, and uh, consciousness. Form is the materiality that is capable of being sensed. So, what does it mean, you know, What is it like to be intimate with your body as materiality? If you step away from your body, you can again study your body in terms of chemistry and biology, and maybe you come up with some quantitative analysis of how much carbon, oxygen, and nitrogen, and so forth, compose your body. But is that intimacy? You know, then if you do that quantitative analysis, you have a bunch of numbers, but you don't have intimacy. 
I suppose we really need to um, we need to to be intimate with the materiality of the body. We need to study eating and shitting. I think <laughs> drinking and peeing, sweating, gravity, but not as a f- as a um, as a measurement in, or idea in physics, but as the way you are bound to the earth. The way you jump off and return to the ground. You know, and be that, be that mass that the body is. But also be the the process that the body is, you know, this eating and shitting process. I think uh, the it, the materiality of the body is so basic. Cultural processes suggest to us to get away from it. It's like it's it's animal like or disgusting or you know. I think it's a fundamental problem that we that we lose touch with our animal nature because it sort of suggests that we live in another sphere and that we can maybe lift off from this earthly existence. I think the ecological crisis that we're experiencing is showing us that it's that it's not possible. Sometimes I think of the ecological problems that we are experiencing in this time and age as like the result of putting more and more layers between our physicality and our environment. Like layers of protection and warmth and convenience of all kinds, you know. Anyway, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just kind of like speaking to you about a feeling of arriving in the physicality of your body as a as a sort of as a as an unseparated process. Breathing, you know. Just take take a breath and feel this the intimacy of outside coming inside to energize and yeah i guess i guess we have understanding but still it remains mysterious how this breath is uh maintaining aliveness from a moment to moment absolutely mysterious <clears throat> experientially mysterious no. When I read about it in a chemistry book or a biology book, it's like, yeah, maybe even fascinating, you know, it can occupy my mind for a couple of hours to read about everything that can be found out in this um, 
objective study. But in the study of intimacy, you know, these these insights are not the most essential part. Yeah, and then feeling. So every intimacy with feeling, every event is accompanied with this felt valence, inevitably. It's like study or be intimate with your body and mind in this way that everything already is, you know, attractive. Not so attractive. Indif- or feel you feel indifferent about it. You know we're not. It's like in, in at this point the way I want to speak. It's like Buddhism already kind of says, "Oh, this is a problem." You know, you shouldn't have likes and dislikes. Well, let's just forget about Buddhism. Just be intimate with yourself. It's like that's happening. I have a good feeling about, you know, the color of this floor. Yeah, just like that. I don't know why. When you when you're intimate with perception, uh, you can you can be intimate with the activity of the mind that separates out things. This is just happening, you know. It's not good or bad. It's just it it is a function of the mind. Yeah, look at. I look at this bell or that something that I am cultured to know as a bell, and uh, there it is. There is this thing lifted out from this uh, field of visual presence. And so with every object. Now you can you be again. I'm sort of I'm I, at this point I'm trying to say you know what is it like to take interest in the basics of your functioning it may be too basic too boring you know because you don't get anything directly out of it you're just actually you're just intimate with yourself There's this sheen on the cushion, and there's this red border, and you know, sounds overhead. 
if you have this much leisure, you know, you just can notice the world um, eventing itself, you know, through your perceptions. To be intimate with your habits, you know, what what a vast field of study. I mean, what should I give as an example? I don't know, there's so much. I'm feeling the silence in the room, you know. Uh, in between my words in the fabric of your attentiveness. You know, just study something like how how you react to silence. You know, just to just as an example. It's like Do you fight it? Is it uncomfortable when it occurs in conversation or in your mind? Do you like it? You know, you prefer it? Do you not care? So there's this, there's like some perception, like silence, that can even notice in the midst of sound and you know how does it how do I relate to it you know what's my conditioning here you, you all know people who can't stand like a second of silence if it occurs in conversation like they immediately have to do something say something and then we all know people who uh want to retreat into silence because that's more comfortable. Yeah. Be intimate with your own habits or conditionings. So, like what I'm not saying is analyze them and say, why is that? Why is it so hard for me to stand silence why am i so attracted to it it's like i'm not even I'm not saying that yet that might be another thing that could be interesting but i'm just saying be intimate with your own functioning i think athletes need to be really intimate with their own functioning it's something i find interesting about sports because you know sports is not an intellectual activity it's like it's not like you think your way to this particular athletic feat <laughs> you really have to do it and so an athlete actually needs to kind of you know it's like on the day where you compete you 
are intimate with how your body feels and how it's functioning. And because you've done things, you've trained and you've had other competitions or something, you you know uh, ways to navigate yourself. You navigate your body. And it can just be like, well, today, you can know, you know, it's not going to... It's not going to be a good day. <laughs> but I think it's like being intimate with yourself is maybe like that, going through life like that, knowing knowing yourself. Again, no judgment yet. This might be hard. It's like, this scares me, or knowing that, this is scary, or this is, makes me nervous. <clears throat> Note this, you know, there's like, there's so much already in how we relate to ourselves that is like, and this is a problem, and I need to fix this. And I need to like get more of this because this is exciting for me and I have to really avoid this because this is boring. Yeah, just study just study yourself. The Buddha way is to be intimate with your own functioning. Now consciousness um Nobody knows what consciousness is, but here we have the word, uh, the fifth skanda. And one way I like to relate to it is consciousness is thinking. One experiential dimension of consciousness is thinking. So um, your thoughts, it's like zazen, you know, you notice thoughts. Thoughts are happening all the time. But we don't always notice them very clearly, uh, even though they're happening. But in zazen, because you're not doing much else, it's like the thoughts come more into the foreground, and so you can be intimate with your thinking activity. Sorry to repeat myself, but again, no judgment, right? It's like it's just happening. Thinking is happening. It can be familiar with that side of my mind. Consciousness in the, in the teaching of the five skandhas, the way I read it, is also all the five skandhas aggregated. All of the five skandhas put together is consciousness. Consciousness is never just sort of just floating in some sterile a sterile way around you know thoughts no but it's always loaded with the physicality of your body with the the valence of your feelings with perceptions and with habits consciousness is already <coughs> integrated in this way Inti- integrated or compounded with these other aspects of our functioning Maybe this is one fantasy of humans, you know, to just be pure consciousness 
pure thought when you're a mathematician, you know, could just get rid of all this physical stuff and just be in a mental realm. <clears throat> Even the mathematician needs uh, pen and paper because it's hard to keep all of that just in your mind. You kind of have to write it down, you know. So there you back into ma- matter. Sorry. <clears throat> Okay, well, so I just want to give you a feeling for um, now, for being intimate with with the self, being intimate with your functioning physically, on a feeling level, perceptually, in terms of habits, so forth. Maybe you can catch that drift. Sometimes, you know, just kind of do it in between things. Like when you're driving in a car or something, you know, feel the weight of your body, your frame in the seat, and notice all the perceptions and uh, the way you are relating your body integrated with the car to all these perceptions that you have. You know, it's quite an event. <clears throat> you can enjoy yourself in this agility of being able to drive a car or running or, you know. Biking. All, all, all sorts of things, all th- sorts of uh, movements and activities. And arrive in it. It's like arrive in your activity this way. There's some relaxation and it's like, well, that's, that's uh, what I am. That's what, the, that's what I'm doing, the things I do and live, and so forth. Already, you know, I think if you bring this much intimacy and acceptance to your your activities, like there's a lot of um, relaxation and kindness and potentially love that is actually just present in this very basic practice. And zazen is a way to hmm, highlight that. It's sad when you sit zazen with in the uh, when you sit zazen in a means to end structure. <laughs> like I sit zazen to. Regulate my breathing. Okay. Uh, I sit zazen to feel better. I sit zazen to calm my mind. 
I sit zazen to get enlightened. I sit zazen to become a better person. You know, it's all means to end structures. Yeah, well, if, if that's how narrow you want to make your zazen, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just suggesting right now, it's like, what if, if we just sit zazen as a way to be intimate with ourselves? I imagine if everyone uh, said zazen that way, maybe there would be less strife in the world. <laughs> you know, just feel, just feel that for a moment. It's like, oh, because I'm intimate with myself and I kind of like relax into that and what I am and what I've come to be through these myriad uh, conditions in my life. And so I'm... I'm settling into this. And everyone settled into this a little bit. Like, huh? ah. Different world. <laughs> right there. Suzuki Roshi says in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, he says, when air comes in and air goes out, it's like a, it's like a swinging door. Air coming in, air coming out, you know being intimate with breathing in zazen. It's like a swinging door. And then he says, when you say, I breathe, that I is extra. And then he says, there is no you to say I. Hmm. Okay, that's just weird, but you understand. There is no you, no self, to say I. There's just this movement. There's just this swinging door. Now, I would say it's okay to say I breathe if you just if you mean that as a descriptor. And we talk about this all the way, you know, I wave I wave this stick in the air. I breathe, I you know, sit on the cushion. I'm talking. Okay, but that's that's just you know if that's just a manner of speaking. Okay, but if you give importance to this I, if you like try to, if you now inquire into it, like, who am I? What is this I? What is this self that's breathing? 
Well, then you're you you're in another kind of study or inquiry, and Suzuki Roshi just kind of in this just in the way I use the quote, I guess uh, you know it's just brushed aside, like the eye is extra. There's just breathing. Now that's a certain kind of um, that's a certain kind of study, a certain kind of being intimate with your experience that lets go of the concern of this I, this uh, self, this actor. So you can try this out in the five skandhas. Um, and be, you know, be intimate with the physicality of your being, your physical presence, and study, as breathing is an aspect of that, and study how the I is extra. It's just breathing, the swinging door. Now, when you're running, you know, is there a runner who's running? Or is there just running? So you're running, you know, that's it. You are running. There's running. Running is happening. Nose running is happening. <laughs> you know? Yeah, okay. So in the realm of feeling, very common, right? Like you all are familiar with I am nervous. I am angry, and so forth. Right? But I talk about this all the time. But now, from this angle, if you, if you uh, are willing to be intimate with the sensations of nervousness, and you go and find these sensations. They are located in your solar plexus or in your heart area or both. Or, you know, they go all the way up to your head and make you foggy, feel foggy in your head. <clears throat> is there an eye that is nervous? Or can you say, like Zucker usually says, it's just a swinging door, air coming in, coming out. Is there just this um, event of sensations in the solar plexus, the heart, and so forth? And maybe the eye is extra. I think, I mean, it's kind of like, maybe you think it's just a trick, um, you know, to speak this way, because your self-concern is real. It's like, I am nervous, and it mean you know, it's so significant for me, this experience, that I can't just brush it aside. Um, for me, it was a, a really, um, how can I say... To make sense of a phrase like these sensations that you're experiencing are not about you. It's like, 
for me, to hear something like this is just in the past. It's just a mind twister. It's like, these sensations are not about me. Like, of course they're about me. But stay with that. I mean, stay with that, and you have to find your own way of how that might be true. Because in my experience now, it's totally true. They're not about me. They are occurring. These sensations that I call my nervousness are occurring. Okay. I'm not going into like, are they real? Are they not real? Are they true? Are they untrue? Is this like, is there a deeper reality that we don't have access to? These are also, you know, fun questions. But I'm just saying, in your own experience, they are occurring right now. So are they about you or are they just occurring? Now, one way you can extend that is like they are occurring and they're delivering a certain kind of message, a little missive that's being sent. I would say from studying myself, and you can see how that is for you, but from for myself, is nervousness in me occurs when I give importance to the situation, or when the situation, I, you know, it's hard to get away from this word in our language, when the situation has importance for me and when it um, is of uncertain outcome. When it's important and the outcome is uncertain, nervousness arises. (laughs) There may be other components, you know, this is complex. Anyway, I'm just trying to give a certain entry into a territory. You can see that your attachment to not wanting to feel that, your interest in making it go away, your thought that there is something wrong with this feeling, is it, it frames the sensation right away. But if you can release that for a moment and say, it's just a sign... It's just a bodily sign of importance and um, uncertainty. Now it becomes very workable. You can listen to actors talk about this. You know, actors say often casually, you know, in a talk show or something like, of course I'm nervous. Means I'm on. They've turned it around. Like they've, they've, they invite the feeling and make it part of their, the presence of their performance. Like they would be worried if that feeling wasn't there because it's like they wouldn't care. Well, just like, oh, I've done this a hundred times. <laughs> oh, they just go through the motions of my role or something. No, it's like, it's fresh. There's an audience, it matters how I'm, you know, so, okay. So, instead of pushing it away because I don't want it, now I got invited, even. It's like, okay, great, now it's happening. 
I'm on. It counts. Fascinating. Perception, you know, I hear the cars out there. Out there, I say, right? That's already a perceptual structure. I am perceiving the cars over there. And yet, perfect thing to study in Zazen. I've said it many times, you've heard it from other people. The sound is, you know it maybe in yourself, the sound is right here. What makes me say it's over there? How do you how do you study this perceptual structure that puts at the center of your perceptual process an eye that is here and perceives things that are over there? Now sound is perfect for this because Sound always happens in a field that isn't split up. Into here and there. Do you notice how the sound is right here? Can you say the eye is extra when the sound occurs? Yeah, I can. The eye is extra. Like, the sound is just occurring. If you have the patience, there is an intimacy that comes from just noticing how sounds are occurring. In the visual field, it's harder because I think it has to do with surfaces because surfaces break up the space. So, you know, location, positional space happens through surfaces, you know, that demarcate regions of space. But if you can let go of that a little bit in Zazen, you can play with that too. Like, see your visual field, have soft eyes and just let forms and colors occur the way sound occurs. Just, you know, letting go of this need to orient yourself in space. Position yourself. I think with habits, it's it's particularly difficult to allow for the eye to be extra. Although, you know, with habits, usually we think like my good and bad habits right away you think you do, you barely think about the habits that are neither good nor bad are just sustaining your life you know it's like knowing how to walk um 
having breakfast in the morning or something, you know, habits like that. They're just sustaining your life. They're neither good nor bad. It's like you don't even worry about them. And, in fact, in those routines, the I is extra. It's like it doesn't even come to mind. Okay, and you can say the same about thoughts, you know. It's like we are very much put ourselves at the center of our thoughts. I have these thoughts. There is this thinker who is thinking the thoughts. And this has been observed even in Western philosophy where it's like maybe it's different. Maybe thoughts are just occurring. Or, you know, a common metaphor in Zen. It's like, well, you know, the thyroid releases... Uh, hormones and the mind releases thoughts, you know, like that. To study, so here's Dogen again. To study the self is to forget the self. Now, I'm trying to give us a feel for forgetting the self by introducing this idea that maybe the I that is extra in breathing, which is a certain kind of experience we can have in Zazen. Oh, breathing is breathing, not I'm breathing. This is a release. I'm I'm encouraging you to extend that feeling into any of your bodily functions, into feeling and perception and habits. Not sort of like habits conditioning. Oh, this is this is the conditioning that has put itself together over forty nine years in my case. I'm watching uh, my four-and-a-half-year-old son, and I'm, I'm a little worried about him. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, that's how conditionings are being put together. <laughs> but, you know, it's not his fault. finding a way to be alive and we're finding a way to parents we parents are finding a way to be alive with him so certain habits are being put together but it's really amazing he's going to deal with that for the rest of his life so give yourself a break So I'm, I'm seeing, I'm encouraging you, inviting you to extend this feeling of that I is extra in breathing to these other dimensions of, um, of your existence that are, that Buddhism presents as these, as these five skandhas, five aggregates.
This is very different. Now, I'm not saying it's the only way, but feel into this approach, and I think you can agree, this is very different from some sort of self-analysis. This is very different from uh, trying to acquire knowledge about yourself. It's like... I am this kind of person, I, you know, and whatever psychological cat categories we have or personalities or, you know, take a personality test and then know what kind of person you are. So I'm not saying this isn't useful. This may be useful in, in myriad ways. I'm making use of it. But I'm just saying this intimacy with your functioning and allowing it to be just an occurrence or an eventing in the world or something is um, it's different to um, be intimate with the self is to forget it to be intimate in this way is to find out that the I is extra. One way you can study how the I is there or forgotten or more or less there is to do exactly that, to, to, to tune yourself to the more or less of it. Now, in physical activities, it's very, um, it's very noticeable. Um, when I go running, and I run with a heavy dose of self injected in it, it feels, <laughs> it feels heavy. I guess the heavy dose makes it heavy. No, I'm just using... It feels heavy. It's like I'm laboring. If there's a lightness when I give myself over to the movement that the body is um, wanting to do. Can you observe that in your feelings? I mean, for example, there is, um, I've been feeling kind of exhausted and tired in the last uh, couple of weeks. And it's like, I just don't know why. You know, usually I'm, I kind of have quite a bit of energy and I'm used to it. And, and so, in a way, I'm grateful, like, oh, that's how it feels to be tired all the time um, because many people have that feeling so yeah so it's happening I don't know should I be worried I decided to notice it as fully as I can and to go with it it's a little bit like letting the running happen letting the tiredness happen it's not pleasant for me. But at least I'm not in war with myself. 
Or when I notice that I am, where I feel a little complaint, it's like, jeez, I'm so, I want to have more energy. And then I catch myself and it's like, oh. Well, the nice thing about it is like, I've just been, I've been just feeling a little bit more mellow. You know, maybe that's just exactly what I need. Been going too hard. But also to not be, you know, I don't let my, I don't let my agenda be completely dominated by how whether I feel tired or not. I'm just going to do what I want to do anyway. That's freedom too. Maybe I do it a little differently because I respect how I feel. I do what I do differently, but I don't completely stop and just stay in bed. Because I would, I know that much about myself. I'd feel miserable if I do that. All right. So anyway, this is all for you to do yourself. I can talk about it endlessly, and you know, like oh, this example and that example. So Dogen says something here that is. Um, I've, I've said this in the last talk, and here I'm just going about it in a slightly different way. The, the next, the next, um, insight in this paragraph that he's offering is to forget the self is to be actualized by the ten thousand things. Um, Maybe you've caught this much from my, you know, awkward way of speaking today. Um, to forget the self is to invite the 10,000 things, the 10,000 dharmas, what occurs, to let those 10,000 dharmas come and actualize Yeah, the self. This is where there's about a minute of lost audio, so we'll just jump right back in. Things occurred, and I went with them. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe it's just going to be like this. It's sort of like if you think about the breathing process, I think sometimes everything can be studied just through breathing. Because are you deciding which ear you're going to breathe? It's just like breathing occurs, and if there's air, so you're going to breathe it. If it's full of smoke, can't do anything about it. Well, maybe you'll stay inside. Okay, you have a little bit of say. Not much. That's what's so scary about our ecological situation because we pollute and create this environment that's hostile to our life process, we're going to have no chance but dying. Because that's just what occurs when circumstances are that way. <laughs> you breathe in poisonous air and you die. You eat polluted food, if you do it long enough, you die. That's just, you know, the way it, that's just the way it goes. 
So maybe it's a little one-sided what I'm saying, and there is participation and decision making, and yeah. But I just want to give a feeling for it. And maybe there is actually nothing wrong for being dependent on circumstances and metabolizing all the time the ten thousand things that are coming forward and actualizing. Fayan, 9th century Chinese master. Said, students of Zen need only Students of Zen need only live according to circumstances. That's that's basically what I'm just trying to say. Students of Zen need only live according to circumstances. If you must understand that's so funny. If you must understand the nature of Buddha nature, maybe there is no need to understand that. But if you must understand it, if you must understand the nature of Buddha, uh, if you must understand the meaning of Buddha nature, just pay attention to what is happening. <clears throat> if you must understand the nature of Buddha, if you must understand the meaning of Buddha nature, just pay attention to what is happening. That's basically what I just tried to say about um, being intimate with the five standards. What is happening? Physicality, feelings, perceptions, habits, consciousness. Pay attention to what's happening and you are intimate with Buddha nature. should, he goes on, all of you should recognize that the 10,000 things are your own self. All of you should recognize or realize that the 10,000 things, the 10,000 dharmas, the way the world appears in its multiple ways, is, are your own self. See, this is dangerous when you try to recognize the 10,000 things as your own self. You're kind of like, okay, here's the self, it's really small, it's at the center of my life, and to recognize that the 10,000 things are my own self, I'm going to now make it really, really big to encompass it all. Thank you, God. And 
That's great. I, I, I have that feeling too. How, maybe in Zazen, you can lose the sense of boundary of your body and it becomes the sphere of your body, the sphere of your attention becomes large and encompasses things. But it's a little, it's a little much. What if it's the other way? You know, it's like you are intimate with all these, with the eventing of the world through your physicality, your feelings, perceptions, you know, those things out there. And your sense of self just drains out of it because it's extra. It just goes through the um, yeah, just down the drain. <laughs> then you're not dealing with some godlike big self, you're just dealing with what is. You can realize that the 10,000 things are your own self, or that the 10,000 things are. And then Fion's gives, gives, uh, gives advice for how, how to deal with that. He says, all of you should recognize this, and then all of you should just act appropriate to the moment. Take care. All of you should just act appropriate to the moment. Take care. This is interesting. When, this is the idea, when the self goes down the drain, and it's not just an idea, it's already your experience, when you are not concerned about yourself, when you don't think you need another plan in life, when you just give yourself over, or in this present moment, to the 10,000 dharmas or circumstances, or, you know, you feel just fully enabled to respond to them. And those may be small things, you know, like go make yourself some food or rest. Or study something, fine. If you must understand Buddha nature, just pay attention to what's happening and act and act and act appropriate to what is happening. Take care.